0: Sahana nāvavato, Sahana nau bhunakto, sahaviryaṃ karavavahai, tejasvināvadhitam astumā vidvishāvahai, Om shanti Open page seven from the third verse mama yo nir mahad brahma
1: mama yo nir
0: mahad brahma tasmin garbham dadamyaham tasmin garbham sambhava sarva bhutanam sambhava bhutanam tato bhavati bharata tato bhavati bharata Sarvayonishu Kaunteya Sarvayonishu Kaunteya Murthayasamhavantiya Murthayasamhavantiya Tasam Brahma Mahadhyoni Tasam Brahma Mahadhyoni Aham Bijap Pradap Aham Bijap Pradap Sattvam Rajastham Iti, Iti, Gunaf Prakruti Nibadhnanti Mahabaho, nivadhnanti Mahabaho, Dehe Dehinam Avyayam, Dehe Dehinam prakashakamanamayam prakashakamanamayam prakashakam namayam sukha sangen, de, sukha sangen de, jnana sangen chanagha jnana sangen chanagha sattvam rajah Tamahiti gunaha he Arjuna these are the three gunaha these are the three dispositions or three constituents of which prakruti or the matter consists of sattva, rajas and tamas and these are also the constitutions of which everybody's personality is made and specifically our mind these can be said to be three dispositions of the mind Sattvam, rajas and tamaha prakriti-sambhavaha they are born of prakriti nivadhnanti mahabaho dehe dehi namavyam and what this do is he mahabaho, o mighty one Avyayam Dehinam Dehe These three gunas, that is this prakriti, this nature of one acts as a rope and ties or binds this this Dehinam, the self, who is avyaya, who is immutable, imperishable. So the immutable, imperishable meaning the one that is free from every sense of limitation. This being, the self, is bound as though, is bound as though by this prakriti or by this matter by this vabhava the nature consisting of three gunas and this we discussed in great detail yesterday that there is an as though bondage not that anything can really bind the self which is ever free like space cannot be bound by anything space cannot be enclosed by anything even though an appearance of enclosure can be created it may look as though the walls are enclosing the space, and therefore we give different designations to space, like the bedroom space and the living room space, and it appears as though the space is within the walls. But the reality is that the walls are within the space. And looking at the walls, it, we get an idea that the space is within the walls. But only when we shift the attention, or focus from the walls to the space, then we realize that you know the walls, they are within the space. Similarly also, Focusing attention upon the personality, upon our mind, it looks as though the self, the I, is bound, is limited. And thus, like the space, even though not bound, appears to be bound, similarly also the self, even though not really bound, appears to be bound. (coughs) But anyway, thus this, what this prakriti, what the nature manages to do, is to create this notion in everyone that I am a limited being. So, sattva, rajas and tamas, three dispositions of mind, thus create different kinds of complexes. The idea is what is meant by bondage? Various complexes that I entertain about myself. As I said, every complex declares I to be a limited being. When I say I'm a man, then it means I'm limited to being a man. I'm not a woman, I'm not an animal, I'm not a bird, I'm not everything else. And therefore, my capabilities and everything is limited to being a man. When I am tall, then I am nothing else. When I am short, I am nothing else. Thus, every designation about myself, every notion about myself, which we call a complex, always creates in me a sense of limitation, it's bound to. Even when I say I'm a wealthy person, I'm a successful person, I'm a great person, even each one of these also is a complex. And that also carries inherently in itself a sense of limitation in some way. Some kind of a limitation, some kind of a compulsion, some kind of a restriction is there. Even when I declare myself a successful person, then also there is, although a need on my part to remain successful, because when I say I'm a failure, suddenly I'm unhappy. But when I say I'm successful, then also I'm different from those who are not successful. So that may create in me a sense of pride for example and that pride also again some self-congratulation the pride which ultimately will create a ground for me to fall someday. So every notion that I have about myself which is born on account of identification we discussed yesterday the phenomenon of identification how I forget myself and take myself to be quite different from what I am. I take the body to be myself or the mind to be myself. And so, this is how this prakriti, this nature, this personality consisting of the body, sense organs, mind, that managed to create a variety of complexes in me on account of identification with them. And all these complexes can be divided into three categories, sattva, rajas and tamas. This sattva aspect of my personality creates also complex in me. Tatra, sattvam, Prakashakam, Anamayam, Sattva is that which is nirmalam which is pure, Prakashakam, illuminator, Anamayam, free from any evil or ha- unhappiness, Sattva means that which is pure, bright, illuminator and revealer of happiness. So whenever my mind is sattvic, whenever my mind enjoys the sattvic disposition, I feel happy with myself. And I feel pure, I feel good about myself. And so, and also, that is the disposition of mind when I have a natural love for knowledge. So, sattva creates a love for knowledge. And thus, I become a seeker of knowledge. Still, I do not know that I am not sattva. I take myself to be sattvic, I take myself to be happy. To that extent, we can say that sattva also binds by creating in me a notion that I'm happy. All that is needed is to know that the happy I'm not happy, but I'm happiness. However, even sattva that way creates a slight notion. We said yesterday that sattva also involves ignorance, but a very thin layer of ignorance. Like, a sm- like the smoke covering the fire. So even when the smoke covers the fire, the heat of the fire can still be felt. The brightness is covered, but the heat of the fire can be felt. And similarly also, even when there is sattvic bondage, the happiness of the atma can be experienced. The enlightenment that I am happiness is not there, but the happiness can be experienced. And therefore, all that is required then, is the teaching. that You are not not happy, but you are happiness. (coughs) So this is sattva. Continuing the discussion, in the next verse, Lord Krishna tells us what the Rajas does. Rajo Ragat Vidhi, Rajo Ragat Vidhi, Trishna Sangha Samudbhavam, Trishna Sangha Samudbhavam, Tannibadnati Kaunteya, Tannibadnati Kaunteya. Karma Sangena Dehinam Karma Sangena Dehinam Rajas Rajaha Raga Vidhi No rajas to be the nature of passion Although raga Raga means Ranjanath Raga That which colors is called rajas That which colors You know like this cloth So Typically the sannyasis color their cloth orange because is formerly they used to, even now also, many sadhus color their cloth with a clay, which is called gerua. It's with the clay that they color their cloth and it goes away when you, in a few washes and every 15 days you keep on coloring that. So how the cloth is colored? That color is called raga or ranga. So it's called ranga, which also means raga. So that which colors is called raga. So that which colors my mind also is called raga or rajas. So, rajas is that which colors my mind. That means I do not have a clear objective perception. I have a colored perception. So, when I look at an object, then it colors my mind. Raja rajas in me colors my mind, therefore, I, some kind of passion is created in me with reference to object. Either it creates an attachment for the object or creates an aversion for the object. So, that's called passion. They like and dislike or attachment and aversion this rajas whenever this rajas arises in my mind as we'll see a little later it crea- makes me <laughs> restless and a tremendous discomfort is created about myself i become keenly aware of my sense of limitation i become keenly aware of my the fact that i am inadequate i am limited and therefore there is a keen requirement for me to become happy to become limited i mean to become free from limitation to become safe or secure so this rajas makes my mind extrovert looking for the source of happiness, source of security. So rajas is that which makes me keenly aware of my limitation. That I'm unhappy, that I'm fearful, that I'm insecure. So this is a notion that is created when rajas arises in me. I find myself a very needy person. So it creates a very strong need in me. And therefore my mind looks out in order to fulfill the need. So, again, then the mind projects. Rajas is a projecting mind. And therefore, I look upon something as that which promises me happiness, something which promises me security. And therefore, when I am, when my mind is colored by rajas, then the world appears to me as offering me happiness, offering me security. And that's the reason why my mind runs after that. (coughs) So, rajah, ragaatma, is strong attachment. Because a strong need, and therefore, a strong attachment. More needy a person, more attached is going to be. And therefore, I find myself a person attached to the people, to the objects, to the things and beings of the world. And that is called attachment. And whenever I see that there is a threat to my acquiring or securing that, then there is an anger, there is an aversion. So, Rajas creates in me attachment, basically. And attachment always also brings about an aversion. I'm attached to something. I become dependent upon something. Often a question is asked, Swamiji, what's the difference between love and attachment? How can there be life without attachment? It is true, attachment is always there. But just to understand the difference between love and attachment, in attachment also love is there. But our love, when it gets somewhat distorted, then it is called attachment. In every relationship there is love in fact, even when I'm angry also there is love, when there is an aversion also there is love, attachment also is love, everything is love, however this love becomes passion when it gets distorted, so same love is called attachment when I become dependent upon something, and when I become dependent upon something I become a demanding person. Because my happiness depends upon something, my security depends upon something, and therefore I become a demanding person. In attachment there is always an expectation, there is always a demand. So ideally, in pure love there is always giving. Because love is there which creates, creates happiness in me merely by giving. Attachment is that where I give alright, but there is always some kind of a expectation or reward. So Swami, I am attached to my children. Without attachment to the children, how can I do anything for them? That's fine. But attachment to children, basically it may be love for the children. It is love because of which I care for them. I am concerned about them. I care for them. I serve them. I, I nourish them. I do whatever is required for them. That's beautiful. However, in the process of doing that, if there is also an expectation that my child also do something for me, Then that part alone is called attachment. And how do I know that I have an attachment for my child? Whenever my child disappoints... Child is an example, anybody it can be. But whenever my child disappoints me, then I know that some kind of an appointment was involved. Disappointment can be there when there was some appointment, meaning some kind of an expectation was there. But Swami, expectation will be there. I have expectation from my children. That also is right. Because otherwise, how how can I perform my role as a parent? I have to expect that my children should go to school, that they should should work hard, that they should study. That also is fine. That expectation also is fine. That's also part of love. As long as that expectation is for the well-being of the other person. That I want my child to become doctor because I think that that is in the best interest of the child is quite fair. Because parents have responsibility and therefore... They have more experience and therefore, they may want to guide the children, they may want to, that way also help the children. But, I have to ask myself whether I want my child to become a doctor because of me, because I will look good. my, My son is a doctor, so it boosts me in some way. In India, in make parents want children to get married to this one and not to that one because if you're married to this one, what will people tell me? <laughs> so very often we, make, we want children to act or conduct in a certain way because of our own image, because our own, some kind of a thing that we are, I mean, you know, expecting from them. So we have to just watch out for this. Nobody is free from this. No relationship is free from attachment. No relationship. Only sthita prajna will have a relationship that is free from attachment because there is no demand. Ātmanīva ātmanā tuṣṭhah He is the one who is totally happy with himself, by himself, whenever. He is totally independent. We do not expect from ourselves that kind of independence. Therefore, no relationship is free from attachment. All we can do is anytime in a relationship there is a pay, hurt, when I am hurt, Or when I am disappointed, then that reveals an attachment. So from our hurts and disappointments, we can learn something, that's all we can do. What kind of attachments I have, and I ask myself, whether, can I give up that demand? Love means giving total freedom to someone, and still doing something for them. It is very difficult. Swami, I did all these things and see, what is the result? He doesn't care for me. And therefore there is a need, but after all I need to be also nourished. I also, I have a need also to be nourished, need to be supported, need to be accepted. And when I feel I am not accepted, I am not supported, I am not, you know, nourished, then I feel rejected, I feel unhappy. So really, in every relationship there is a give and take. I nourish my children and I expect and children also nourish me, it's natural. Children by doing what I think they should do, they me. I feel nourished, I feel also supported, I feel also accepted by them. So there is a need. Understand that it is that need which is there everywhere. Is what brings up or what manifests itself in the form of a demand, in the form of a desire, in the form of attachment. And so We can become free from attachment only when we become free from all the needs and basically emotional needs. There is an emotional need. I mean, after all, I work hard, Swamiji. I've invited 25 people and I've been working for two days. I've cooked so much food and so wonderful. All these fellows ate and went away. did not even say a word of appreciation. So some expectation is there. I should not kill, I should not uh, condemn myself for having that expectation but I should know that that expectation arises because of my need and I should ask myself, can I do my work without even that expectation? I should not demand from myself but I can ask that question. Because it is that expectation which is there which creates the possibility of a disappointment, of a hurt. All the hurts are there, or all disappointments are there, because there are some expectations. Expectation is something natural, as long as I'm a needy person. But as I said, every time I'm disappointed, every time I'm hurt, it reveals a certain need from me, and I can address that need. Whether I should hold on to that need, or I can drop it. And that's how our relationships can slowly become free from attachment. So, but anyway, that attachment part, is a product of the need the raga rajas makes me keenly aware of that need and basically an emotional need arising from a sense of insecurity a sense of incompleteness and therefore there is a need for security there is a need for happiness there is a need for nourishment there is a need for accept- acceptance so that is rajas and stronger the rajas is, stronger the need is And if you look at our relationship also, it begins all nicely. And slowly and slowly attachment gets added into that. Slowly and slowly we start expecting more and more. And slowly and slowly then that more expectations means more possibilities of hurt and disappointments. And more conflicts also can come. So, love always involves giving. Love, where there is joy in very doing. When there is a joy in very giving, it is called love. When there is a joy in a reward that is called attachment this is what bhagavad-gita teaches all the time lord krishna teaches us how to slowly become free from what we first of all what we want is sattvic mind sattvam sukhe sanjayati and jnane sanjayati this knowledge can take place so this morning Swami was talking about the preparation how every knowledge requires a preparation This knowledge requires preparation in the form of a mind which is sattvic, which is pure, which is transparent, which is, which means that it is free from impurity and agitation. It is free from what we call rajas and tamas, free from attachments and aversions. So Lord Krishna gives us a very beautiful formula, very famous formula. Here Arjuna, You perform your action. It is your duty to perform the action. Action means offering, actually. When I perform an action, I offer myself. It's an action then at physical level, at the the speech level, at the mental level, at combination. But in every action, in every action, I make an offering of something that I have, some, some knowledge that I have, some skills that I have, some abilities that I have, some emotions or love that I have. Every action always involves an offering. So Lord Krishna says, it is your duty, it's, it, it, it behooves of you to, to offer. But as best as you can, make that offering without expecting a reward. Very difficult, but this is what, because whenever my, of course, whenever I make an offering, Rajas means what? This person always, Swamiji said, we are all utilitarian. So, mind always calculates, do in need for me? It's natural. And that what is a need for me also comes because there is a need as I said. Now the point is, should I keep on giving reality to that need? Or should I realize that that very need arises from ignorance? Lord Krishna says that if you perform actions with a desire for rewards, which is fine, every action will give a reward. (coughs) However, if an action is performed for the reward, you know, what it means is that the desire for the reward which arises from the need is kept on supported. I keep on supporting that need. Understand that the need arises from ignorance. And that unless ignorance goes, the need can never be fulfilled. Well, you cannot fulfill my need? If the 10th man is searching for the 10th man, who can, who can provide him 10th man? Unless the knowledge that he the 10th man. Similarly, so, you know, so who can give me that security and happiness that I am seeking? My own self. By knowing that the security and happiness I am seeking is myself, that's the only way to fulfill the need. And therefore, Lord Krishna says, even when the need arises in your heart, don't give it, don't support it as much as you can. How do I not support it? By performing an action as an offering to the Lord without expecting a reward, as much as I can. Meaning, Lord Krishna says, may you gain your satisfaction from the very action. Do not wait for the reward to give you satisfaction, rather gain the satisfaction from the very action. Shifting the focus of seeking satisfaction instead of from the result, seek the satisfaction from the very act of doing. Enjoy what you do. Consider it your privilege that you have the the ability to act, the opportunity to act, and the resources to act. And therefore, with a sense of gratitude and with a sense of uh, happiness, do what best you can do and enjoy that process. This ideally, this is Karma Yoga. This is called nishkam Karma Yoga. Nishkama Karma Yoga means uh, not expecting. Again, it is impossible not to expect a reward. It's impossible. However, all we can do is, whenever I am about to perform an action, my mind will always ask this question, what am I going to get out of that? then I can ask my mind whether should I support that need or should I not? So anyway, we can keep on learning about our own mind as to how this rajas, how the attachments, how the need, how the demands are there without blaming or naming ourselves for having them. Every time the mind demands something I address, whether I should fulfill that demand. If you think you should fulfill the demand, go ahead and do that. If you think you can drop the demand, drop it. This is how we can go from rajas to sattva. Rajivaragat Makam Vidhi Trishna Asanga Samudhavam. From the rajas Sarah is Trishna, Trishna means hankering and asanga attachment. This is what Rajas does. Hankering means so Trishna and Asanga are not so different. But A prapha Hankering for something that I do not have. It's called Trishna. Trishna means craving. Craving was something that I do not have. As I said, Rajas makes me keenly aware of what all I do not have. It makes me aware of what all I do not have. Yeah, I don't have a house. I don't have a big car. I don't have this. I don't have that. And therefore, Rajas focuses attention on what I don't have. Which is of course infinite, but that is what. And, alright, what about things that I have? Asanga. Asanga means what? A fast attachment or clinging. So that's rajo rajas creates in me a hankering or a craving for what I do not have and it creates a fast attachment or clinging for what I, with what I have. So things that I have, I hold on to, I don't want to fight with them and things that I do not have, I just want them. I want things that I do not have and I want to hold on to things that I have. This is what rajas does. And so what happens? This is the nature of rajas. So whenever this arises, I know this is rajas. So in the first line, Lord Krishna gives you what we call Lakshana. Lakshana means definition or characteristic of rajas. Sattva, so nirmalam prakashakam anamayam. That's how sattva is. Here it is, rāgātmakam vidhi Trishna, āsaṅga samudbhavam. So I know that this is called rajas. Sometimes you don't know this. So first of all, Lord Krishna says, this is called rajas. And the rajas, how does it bind me? Tan kaunte, karma He kaunteya, this rajas, binds, atma, with karma-saṅgena, with attachment to karma. Moment this rajas arises in my mind, I become restless. There's a discomfort in my own self. Rajas makes, makes me uncomfortable with my own self. Because, I say, it makes me keenly aware of my limitation, my inadequacy. And therefore, I become uncomfortable with myself. And to become free from the discomfort, I must do something. It makes me do karma sanginam, karma sangenadaihinam, through attachment to action. Because when a desire arises in my mind, I've got to do something about it. I cannot remain with desire. As Swamiji would say, remaining with desire is like having a bug in the ear, which inevitably enters This bug has entered the ear alright and doing something and doesn't know how to get out. Or a speck of dust which has fallen in my eyes just makes me uncomfortable, makes me restless. Similarly also the bug of desire arises in my mind, I become restless. And therefore I must do something to become free from the restlessness. And that is how karma. So karma arises on account of this rajas from the raga or attachment. Then talking about Tamas, Lord Krishna continues. Yeah. Tamas tva jnana jambidhi, Tamas tva jnana Mohanam sarvadehinam, Mohanam sarvadehinam, Pramadhalasyanidravihi, Pramadhalasyanidravihi. Tannibadhnati bharata, tannibadhnati bharata. Here Juna, may you know that the tamas is that which is born of ignorance. Ignorance avaranam. If you remember we talked about two things, avaranam and vikshepa, veiling and projection. Tamas means darkness, veiling, rajas means projection. So when my mind is in influence of rajas, it keeps on projecting happiness where it is not, security where it is not, unhappiness where it is not. It keeps on projecting and then wants it or wants to get rid of it. When the mind comes in, in the influence of tamas, there's all darkness. Not even, there's no capability even of projecting. A person who is rajas, looks upon the world as a place of enjoyment, he wants to enjoy. But then when the tamas comes to my mind, the world does not attract me, or there is no attachment also that time, there is no attraction. So there is no capability of enjoying things. At least when rajas is there, I can enjoy pizza and stuff like that, I can enjoy them. I can enjoy things. When tamas is there, I can't, nothing interests me, music, uh, food, I'm not in a mood. And so that is called tamas, when I cannot enjoy things. At least in rajas, in sattva, I enjoy myself. In rajas, I enjoy the objects of the world. In tamas, I cannot enjoy anything. Neither can I enjoy myself nor can I enjoy the world. Mohanam sarvadehinam And that which creates delusion in everybody. Because it is from tamas that the rajas is born. Tamas means avaranam, that veils the true nature of myself. And then rajas means creates the projection, all kinds of complexes about me. But when tamas is there, there is only dullness. There is only avranam or wailing. And what does it do? Pramada alasyanidra bhi tannibadnati bharata. He bharata. Let mind through pramada. Pramada. Karyantar asaktataya. Pramada means doing something which is useless. Keep on. Pramada. Pramada and alasya. Pramada means, what I should do is one thing, and what I wind up doing is something else. Tomorrow is examination, and I should be studying work, studying hard, and what I do is watch TV, go for a movie, walk te- on the telephone, and stuff like that. Whiling away the time. So when the mind is overtaken by Pramada, I just do not know what my priorities are, and that's how a person keeps on doing something altogether different from what should have been done. He's not aware of what is really the priority in my life. So human being, Pramada, Pratyuraham Bravimi, Sayed says that Pramada is really death. So human being is suffering on Pramada. There is so much said about Pramada. So when I do not recognize what's the purpose of my life, Fundamental pramada or inadvertence it is called. So fundamental inadvertence is not recognizing what is the purpose of my life, what for am I born? If there is a recognition of this fact that the purpose of my life is that I am seeking freedom, that what I am seeking in my life is unconditional freedom, unconditional happiness, and that freedom or happiness is to be to be sought from my own self and not from something from outside of myself. That an understanding that my life is meant for an inner spiritual growth, a self-growth. That the purpose of my life should be inner purification. That this is the purpose. If this understanding is there, that's called sattva, that's wonderful. But when that understanding is not there, I have a wrong understanding. That my life is meant for just enjoyment, pleasure and comfort. This is called pramada. Pramada is not recognizing the reality and recognizing Moha. Moha means what? Aviveka. Seeing what is not there, not recognizing that what I am seeking is myself. The, instead of that, thinking that my life is meant for just seeking pleasure and comfort. So, whiling away all my time and energy, just seeking pleasures and comfort and thus denying myself. When the 10th man is searching for the 10th man then he is denying himself because he is the 10th man and as long as he searching for the 10th man he can never find him. The very search of the 10th man is denial of the 10th man, is it not? Similarly also the very search for happiness in my life is the denial of happiness that is myself. And so this is called Pramada. People just while away, waste away their time and energy in doing things that are of in- no consequence at all giving importance to things that are not important at all, having totally wrong priorities, and then recognizing at the middle age, you know, what have I been doing? That's what happened to Arjuna. Arjuna said, what am I doing? What did I do for all this time? Oh Lord, I find that my, my svabhava, my mind has been overpowered by karpanya, by kripanada, by miserliness that I have been given an intellect with which to discriminate between the between what is right and wrong and what is desirable and undesirable in my life. Instead of that, I have spent all my time and energy in acquiring new and new weapons and acquiring only material prosperity. I never recognized that the human life was meant for spiritual prosperity. Not recognizing that. So not seeing the obvious facts of life also. Not learning from life. This is the Pramada. That's what Tamas does. Everybody has this Tamas. And that is Pramada, Alasya. So this Pramada, <coughs> doing something altogether different from what I should have been doing. Sometimes you find people doing, you know. Now we have to catch a train. If you must leave home, you know, what is this fellow doing? He's in the bathroom. He's taking shower. He's washing, you know, his hair and all, all sorts of things, you know. All together, come on now, you know. And the, he has, he, the mother is shouting and screaming and this, fellow just is uh, whatever it is. So preoccupied with something that is totally quite irrelevant. Whether he should have been doing something else, <coughs> his mother, you know. Anyway, so this is very common, and the reason is that I am just not in a mood to do things. That's, I'm not motivated. I know that I should be going to the, I shouldn't be catching, you know, Pramada. No, alasya. Alasya is where there's no motivation at all. That's alasya. Second is alasya. Pramada is not knowing what I have to do. And I do something different. Alasya is laziness, means I'm just not motivated to do. Oh, tomorrow is examination, why don't you study? I know, but I'm just, I'm not in a mood. (laughs) Alasya. Alasasya bhavaha alasyam alasa. So when rasa is not there, When I'm not interested in something When I'm not motivated by something When I'm not, you know I know that I should go to school But I don't feel like that I know that I should study But I don't feel like that I should know that I should wake up Swami. I know I should wake up at five o'clock in the morning I just cannot, I don't feel like that I should go to meditation class I don't feel like that I should do my japa I don't feel like that so, when, because there is no rasa, because I don't enjoy something. The mind is that it always seeks enjoyment. When I cannot enjoy, a tamasa fellow cannot enjoy anything. Cannot enjoy food, cannot enjoy music, cannot enjoy life at all and therefore there is no motivation to do anything. That he knows I should do that and still does not do. So go to it these days, you know. Uh, you do, Listen to dialogue between the mother and the teenagers, you know. But like, nobody can go to the room on the teen in room, you know Because it's, there's no space to walk there And <laughs> see, they lying this way, you know All clothes and all kinds of things That fellow sees them Mother keeps on telling him Come on, do your laundry, set up this Just cannot be motivated Either Pramada or Alasya <clears throat> And third is Nidra Waking up at 12, in the afternoon <laughs> And things like that, you know <laughs> <laughs> Nidra Pramad, nidra So this there is love for avoiding things, that's all. I'm not saying I'm not talking about people as such or I'm, particular, I'm not talking about teenagers and things like that. I'm talking about in general. I'm saying that I know that I should wash this dishes. There's a whole pile of that, you know. But I just can't do that. That's all. I can't get around, I can't be motivated to do that. This is called. Pramada is that. I know that I'm going to have to wash the dishes, but I, I'm through to, you know, sometimes not knowing that, I keep on creating dishes, you know. It's amazing how people do that. For everything they have a new plate, and for everything there's a new ball, you know. And as I'm, before you are through with the cooking, there's a whole pile of things, you know. Not knowing that I'm going, going to have to do that, you know. So that is pramada. And now seeing that pile, and I just don't feel like, let me first have a nap. Yeah. <laughs> and then let me go to a movie, something like that. And so, what is to be done is not done. This is called Alasya. And then I get too fed up with this and Nidra. That's all I do. You know. The only way to avoid everything is Nidra. So, whenever Tamas takes over my mind, then Pramada Alasya Nidra, one of these things happens. <coughs> so, that is all Lord Krishna explained. What are the lakshana or the characteristics of sattva? My mind is sattvic, I am cheerful, happy, pleased with myself. Mind is rajo, rajas restless, discomfort, uncomfortable with myself. Tamas, just totally, you know, uh, unmotivated, not feeling anything, <coughs> feeling dull. In ninth verse, this is uh, summarized. Satwam सुखे संजयते सत्त्वं सुखे संजयते रजः कर्मणि भारत रजः कर्मणि भारत ज्ञानमावृत्तये तु तमः ज्ञानमावृत्तये तु प्रमादे संजयत्युत प्रमादे संजयत्युत सत्त्वं सुखे संजयते हे हे Sattva attaches one to happiness. That is, whenever there is sattva in my mind, I am happy. Happy with what? Happy with myself. When I am happy with myself, I am likely to be happy with everything also. Sattva, being pure, sattva being transparent, creates happiness in my mind for no reason at all. Happiness with myself is always for no reason. Sattvam sathe, sanjayati. And that's why I want it. That's the reason everybody wants it. Suppose a certain experience gave me that happiness. That's why the yogis, they talk of Samadhi, you know, because when my mind is in Samadhi, then there is a, as we said. or when we have the mind becomes tranquil or quiet, then we gain an experience of happiness. So the mind wants it again and again. Or whatever it is that gave me happiness, that's what my mind will naturally want. Masattva creates happiness. Rajas karmani bharata. When rajas arises in my mind, Creates restlessness in me and compels me to do something. When rajas is there, I have no freedom not to do it, I'm compelled to do something. I'm so restless inside that I cannot sit quietly at all. And so, when mind is sattvic, I can sit quietly. When there is rajas, i I become restless. I have to do something. <clears throat> On the other hand, when tamas comes, then my self is completely veiled and there is dullness and darkness. So, Pramada or Alasya Nidra, one of these three happens. When does it happen? So, again, in the tenth verse we are told when this happens. रजस तमस चाभिभुये रजस तमस चाभिभुये सत्त्वम भवति भारते सत्त्वम भवति भारते रजस सत्त्वम तमस चैव रजस सत्त्वम तमस चैव तमस Sattva predominates by subduing rajas and tamas. We said that everybody has these three gunas. Sattva, rajas and tamas constitutes everybody's personality. We also said how different gunas predominate at different times of the day also. Usually when we had a good sleep and when we wake up fresh in the morning, then the mind is sattvic, tranquil or quiet. As the day goes on and slowly it becomes active, becomes, and, and, you know, Rajya Guna rises. And as the evening comes, then slowly Tamas comes. So this is what happens to everybody. But in between also. Sometimes Sattva comes in and Sattva arise when Rajas and Tamas, both of these are overpowered, then alone Sattva rises. So sometimes Sattva overpowers Rajas and Tamas and becomes dominant in my mind. Sometimes, Rajas predominates Sattva and Tamas and becomes predominant. Sometimes, Tamas predominates other two. In short, any one of them will subdue the other two. ...in my mind, and that time I will find I'm happy, cheerful. Then that means the Sattva is predominant. I'm restless, that means Rajas is predominant. I'm dull, that means Tamas is predominant. <coughs> Now, in the next three verses, Lord Krishna tells us, what are the indications? How do I know that my mind is sattvic? How do I know that my mind is rajas or tamas? So, in the next three verses, these indications are given. The eleventh verse gives us the, the indications of how do we know that sattva has arisen in our mind. or that I become a sattvik person? So, we call him a sattvik person who generally enjoys a sattvik mind. We call him a rajas person who generally has Rajoguna predominant. We call him a tamas person who generally has Tamaguna. So, person who generally has Sattva-guna, who is what we call Sattvik person, who generally enjoys the Sattvic mind. So, how does he feel that is being said in the eleventh verse? सर्वद्द्वारेषु देहेस्मिन् सर्वद्द्वारेषु देहेस्मिन् प्रकाश उपजायते प्रकाश उपजायते ज्ञानं यदा तदा विद्यत ज्ञानं यदा तदा विद्यार Asmindh sarvadvareshu Yada Prakasha Hobajayade. Here Ujuna, in this body, sarvadvareshu from when oh, in all the gates, in all the doors of the gates, prakasya hobajayade, the light of intelligence shines. What are the gates in the body? The five organs of perception are the five gates. So, as you know, the sense of hearing, the sense of touch, the sense of smell, the sense of taste, the sense of seeing, the five organs of perception. Lord Krishna says, when in all these organs of perception, when there is a light of illumination, understand that the mind is sattvic. In short, when the mind is sattvic, there is illumination in the mind. That time the mind does not project. A sattvic mind is a non-projecting mind, is what we call an objective mind. You hear Swami talking about objective mind, that is a sattvic mind, a non-projecting mind. A rajas mind is a projecting mind. A sattvic mind is a non-projecting mind, which means it it has the capability of seeing things as they are. Rajas creates attachment and tamas creates aversion. So attachments and aversions means rajas and tamas. When my mind is free from rajas and tamas, when the mind is free from attachment and aversion, then the mind enjoys sattva, enjoys a purity, a transparency, enjoys objectivity and is able to see things as they are. So we always see things all right. But we don't see things as they are. We usually three see things through our glasses of attachments and aversions, likes and dislikes. You know, you may have heard this story. This is how a person becomes conditioned by one's own likes and dislikes. This story of Anjanaya, of of Hanumanji. In Ramayana, it is said that once, this saint in Maharashtra, Samatha he was a great devotee of Lord Rama. And it seems he was writing about Ramayana. And he also said that whenever this Ramakatha is going on, that time Hanumanji is supposed to be always present, you know. Yatra Yatra Tatra Tatra Marutim. So Maruti is always there, whenever Ramakatha is going on. So, apparently, this sage was writing about Ramayana. And Hanuman also was present and he was naturally listening and watching, and you know. And came the, okay, the description. When Sita was in the Ashoka one, you know, he was captivated by Ravana in the, in the Ashoka garden. So, the description was being written. And sage Ramdas was writing, then the gardens were beautiful white flowers. Kisavi was right in describing that garden. Uh, uh, then Maharuti Hanuman jumped in. He says, wait a minute, this is not right. The flowers were not white. He says, No, flowers are white. He says, I can I see that. He says, no, no, I was there at that time. I was there when Sita was in Ashoka Vatika. I was there on the top of the tree. I I watched the garden. I know that the flowers were red. Now there is a quarrel between two devotees of Lord Rama. Hanuman, of course, is a great devotee of Lord Rama. So also was this. None of them, uh, you know, conceded. So they decided to seek the uh, uh, you know, resolution from Lord Rama himself. They, they appealed to him. says, Lord, this is what uh, Hanuman said and this is what I say. Now you have to tell us what is right. Then Ram, Lord Rama says that hey, Hanuman This sage is right The flowers were really white But Lord, I saw them I was there at that time I saw that they were red He says, yes, you saw them red, that is also right But you know, before seeing the flowers You saw the condition of Sita You saw how she was tortured by these female demons And how she was threatened by Ravana And how in pain and how sad she was And you were so angry And because of the anger, your eyes became red. And thus, so when you looked at the flowers, they appeared to be red to you. (laughs) In fact, they were white. So this is our coloring, seeing things through our own eyes. That is rajas. So, ragadvesha, we hardly see things as they are. But when the mind becomes sattvic, then the influence of rajas and tamas is highly subdued. Then the mind becomes what we call transparent, becomes objective. And we sing things as they are And what, how they are, you know? Vasudeva sarvam What? It is nothing but Vasudeva, really As we are listening to every day That the Lord is both the maker and the material He alone pervades everything He is manifest to the whole universe So who is a sattvic person? The person who is able to see things as they are Which means what? Who is able to appreciate Nothing but the manifestation of Lord That's a real thing If he anything else Then there is some projection involved there Not that a Sattvic person does not see human beings, he doesn't, he sees the same thing. But he appreciates also that in this, uh, in the names and forms, in all the objects and things and beings of the world, he also appreciates that manifestation. He sees that harmony. He sees that harmony. He sees that beauty. He appreciates the manifestation of Lord. That's the Sattvic mind. In whatever he hears, whatever he sees, whatever he touches, whatever he smells, whatever he tastes, he does the taste and see things as we do. But additionally, he also appreciates in, in all of them the manifestation of that Lord. That's the sattvic mind. So we are told, Vivekacharam explains, when the mind becomes sattvic, then all the noble or divine qualities within our heart, they become manifest. Amanitvam, Madambhitvam, Ahimsa All of these become manifest Adveshta, Sarabhutana, Maitraha, Karunayevachaya Lord Krishna describes his Bhakta the devotee And what are those characteristics? All of these In fact, as we said, that is our true nature And therefore, whatever the divine tendencies is, our true nature Abhayam, Sattva, Samushuddhi, Ahimsa, Samata, Tushtihi, All of these are the beautiful qualities That is our nature Because of the rajas and tamas, that these qualities, our natural qualities, are subdued. So as rajas and tamas are removed by deliberate effort, this is called emotional maturity. As Swami says, you have to initiate the process of emotional maturity. You have to initiate the process of driving away the demons of Rava and Kumbhakarna, that is, rajas and tamas. Rava stands for rajas, Kumbhakarna stands for tamas. And Rama can do so we seek the help of Lord, no doubt. That's a worship of the Lord. So Karma Yoga is worshipping Lord. Svakarmanatamabhyarcha Worshipping the Lord with, through one's actions, one attains the Siddhi. Siddhi means perfection in terms of purification of the mind. So, Sabad So when one gains that knowledge in everything, everywhere one is able to appreciate that beauty, that harmony. Understand that, viruddham sattvam, sattva, sattva guna has become predominant. <clears throat> and also we find, I become a loving person, a giving person, a charitable person. I, I get a joy in very giving, I, you know, a very joy of existence. This is what sattva does to us. And that's why the first step in all of our spiritual pursuit is to make the mind sattvic. And karma yoga is a whole process of making the mind sattvic. Basically what karma yoga is, performing karma as in the spirit of worship, in the spirit of offering. And what can we offer is our likes and dislikes. So every time I perform an action with the sense of, with the spirit of offering, some raga raga ragadvesha is offered. In the process my mind becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Where you sattvic mind, then those wonderful qualities, amanitvam, madamvitvam ahimsa, kshantihi, all of these become evident. They keep becoming evident. Not that one day they become evident. It's a process of discovering that in my own heart. <coughs> Whereas, when Rajas is predominant, then what happens? The twelfth verse tells us that, <speaking> Karmana Masha must puha, Rajasye Tani Jayante, Rajasye Tani Jayante, vivrudhe Hara Tarashabha, Vivudhim Hara Tarashabha. When Rajashee Vivudhim Hara Tarashabha, oh the Varava dynasty, rajasi vivrudhe when the Rajas becomes predominant, etaani jāyante, these come into being lobha, greed, pravritti activity karmanām, ārambha, undertaking of actions ashamaha, unrest, spruha, longing So this is what happens in my mind when rajas becomes predominant lobha, greed, avarice or greed What well, is called greed? Mahati Dhanagame Jayamani Giving an example of wealth, or money. That more and more money I get, even though I, get, I have a large amount of money with me, a good amount of money with me, and still the desire for that grows more and more. That is called Loba, when I am not satisfied with what I have. Not only that, but more I get, more I want. The usual rule is that when there is a desire, I do something to fulfill the desire, the desire goes away. When desire does not go away in spite of fulfilling, but desire becomes stronger, this is called Loha or greed. Paradravya Aditsa The desire to get somebody else's wealth, I mean wealth that belongs to somebody else, or the wealth that does not belong to me, desire to get that. This is greed. That's all you need. That's all the capitalistic system needs to drive the human being into all the craziness is a greed. And this is how everybody is exploited. They know that more you offer this fellow, more he will want. And therefore, show the carrot, that's all, and this fellow will keep on chasing it. So that is why we find there's no satisfaction. Even there was no satisfaction when I was in India. When I just to get 700 rupees salary and stuff like that, I lived in a small apartment, seven people in one place and so on. I was not satisfied. And then I came to the United States. I started making seven thousand dollars a month. And I have a huge six bedroom house. And only three people living there and so forth. And still... I wish I had... many now I, uh, what I... What is the next project? Central air conditioning the house. What is the further project? A sun deck. What's the further project? A garage for the fourth car. What's the further project? This keeps on going. I have two cars, I'm now looking for a third one, a fourth one. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong in this. There's nothing wrong in any of these things. Nothing wrong in having money. Nothing wrong in having things. What happens is greed does not let me enjoy what I have, that's all. I cannot be satisfied with what I have and I'm always looking for something that I don't have. In short, because of greed, my mind always is focused upon what I do not have and is unable to enjoy what it has. The things are all meant for our enjoyment. Nothing wrong in procuring them and enjoying them. That's fine. But a greedy person cannot enjoy. Because and another aspect of greed is he cannot part with the things also. When he finds a needy person, he can't part with it because he thinks that he can't afford it. He thinks that he never has enough. So sometimes, you know, if we find this miserly person, you know, never spend money. He's waiting he's a a crore, crorepati. That means a multi-millionaire and waiting at the bus stop. Somebody waiting at the bus stop. Oh, because today my car is not working. Why don't you take a taxi cab? I can't afford a taxi cab. So he is a multi-millionaire. I hardly have a few thousand. I'm going in a rickshaw, and I'm asking this person. I gave him a ride. Because he thinks that he cannot afford. He cannot part with things. So greed has these two aspects. One is not satis- being satisfied with what I have and always wanting more and more and more. And secondly, when the time comes to part with it, when a needy person, you know, I cannot part with that money. That is also called greed. So greed always propels me to keep on accumulating. That is called the parigraha. Keep on accumulating, holding. I cannot part. <coughs> so when he gives charity, he's a millionaire. He gives charity five dollars, something like that, you know. And so, because there is no heart in that. That's the greed. <coughs> this is rajas. Lobaha. Prabhutirarambaha. So when this greed arises, of course I become restless and I have to do something about it. And therefore, so, all activity, he becomes active. become. And this, this rajas, when rajas comes, then the person becomes active because I said I become restless. And second thing, when rajas comes, karmanam Arambha, undertaking of big actions. What are you doing? Building a huge mansion, you know, nine bedrooms. Some such sort of activities they will take up. karmanam Arambha, huge projects they will take up. This is what rajas does. You can't be satisfied with small things and therefore huge things. A huge car, a huge house, a huge things. So, karma, no sooner one is one project is over, takes up another one. No sooner that is over, takes up a third one. Ashamaha, unrest, restless. And spruha, spruha means longing for things in general. Generally, greed is explained with reference to wealth. But greed can be the reference to power also. He can be power greedy. He can be greedy for wealth. He can be greedy for fame and recognition also. And so, I need more. I have so I am famous, I want to be more famous. I am powerful, what do you more powerful? I am wealthy, what do you more wealthy, wealthier? <coughs> that's what Rajas does. And therefore the person is generally restless. And there is a longing, I want this, I want that, you know. So when these people go for shopping, that's all. That's what the marketing people want. They want this. these people. And so they attract them. With a sale of 33 cents, you know. And so you cut out that coupon and go to a store. And then the item that I have to buy that thirty three cent business is at the end someplace. And so in the process of buying that I must pass to the whole store and I look, Oh, oh this is nice. That is nice. This is nice. This is nice. And so longing in general. And ultimately they all pile up in my pantry or pile up in my you know, cabinets and things like that. Oh, this is good. I think this will be useful. Let us have this. It's also on sale. That is also on sale. And let's keep on piling up things. This is also what happens when Rajas comes, because total dissatisfaction, enhanced dissatisfaction with myself, enhanced sense of need about myself, this is what Rajas does, and drives me to do these various things. <coughs> so that is Rajas. Okay, we'll continue our discussion this evening. Om <laughs> puranam Pūrṇasya Pūrṇamādāya Pūrṇamivavashashyade Om Shānti 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 Shankaram Sankarāchāryam Kesavam Vādarāyanam Sutrabhāśyakrtauvvande Bhagavanta Upunapunaha Ishvara Guru Rātmedhi Murti-bheda-vibhagina-vyoma-vadhyapta-dehaya-dakshina-murtaya-namaha. Om Shanti Harihi Om Shri Gurbhyo Namaha. Harihi Om